Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to us once again this week. Uh, this is Josh Bond from Rocket Recovery. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Mike McDonald. How you Big doing, Tony? Man? Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> we're, well, we've, we were riding along today just uh, out on a drive. Actually, we had to drive a couple hours, and we were th- talking about the Bible and what we'd like to talk to you all about and what would interest us if we were sitting in there, you know, and we talk a lot about the New Testament. We're, we don't ever touch base on, like, the mighty men. Everybody talks about the humble men of the Bible, but we forget that uh, there's a lot of mighty men of the Bible, and I and I got a couple of things I want to read to you about, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay, first off, let me, uh, if I can get my phone opened up. <laughs> Warriors, yeah, mighty men, yeah. Okay, so who were the mighty men of David? Let's talk about them first. Okay, Second Samuel twenty three eight through thirty nine, and First Chronicle eleven ten through forty seven lists a group of people known as mighty men of David or David's mighty men. They're also referred to as the thirty chiefs, and simply the thirty. These mighty men of David were a group of David's toughest military warriors who were credited with heroic feats, including. Now, bear with me here. Uh, these names are serious. Uh, Joseph Basabeth, who killed 800 men in one battle with a spear. Additional notable actions listed include the deeds of a man named Eliezer, Eliezer, who stayed on the battlefield when other warriors fled and killed Philistines until his hand was stuck, clenched around a sword, and the exploits of Abishia, <laughs> the leader of the mighty men who killed 300 men with a spear. Beniah was known for going into a pit on a snowy day and killing a lion for, and for killing a powerful Egyptian man with the man's own spear. He also served as a leader of David body, David's bodyguard. Within this list of mighty men are three men who served as a special elite group. The men I just told you, just Zah, <laughs> Elezra and Shammah. <laughs> their, their exact roles are not made clear, but they were certainly seen as standouts among David's mighty men. Although the mighty men are called the 30, a total of 37 are listed, meaning that not all of these men were on the team the entire time. Some of them, like Uriah, were killed in the battle during David's reign. Another expl- explanation may be that David's elite group of mighty men numbered approximately 30, a figure not meant to be exact. Well, the reason why I brought up the mighty men of the Bible was because, <clears throat> see, the New Testament, as you know, if you've read, is all about humility and being humble. Well, as you also know, there is no such thing as humble without strength, okay? So I, there can't be people out there that are able to be humble. There's not weak without strong. We can't have weak people without strong, and everybody, everybody ain't able to be weak. So what I'm bringing this up for is that we are to be mighty men of God. Like you you don't pray on the weak. You were given these strengths just like them men were given the strength to be in them armies and fight for God. So what you do is we were we are here to protect the weak. You know what I mean? And to to lead the way, to be the light. What do you think, Tony? What do you think about? Well, I, I think uh, you know, don't sleep on David either. Oh, you definitely. Know, definitely uh, don't I sleep think, on David. You know, the little guy the, too. <laughs> David now, you know, don't forget where he comes from. And uh, his background, you know, yeah. and tell who, us about it. Who was the leader yeah. of, of these mighty men? You know, they all hovered around him. Yeah. You know, he was like the quarterback. Yeah, and uh, he was the youngest of eight. You know, youngest of eight sons. His dad's name was Jesse. Uh, he was a sheep farmer, right? 
and uh, David uh, tended the flock. He protected the weak. Yeah. You know, exactly. let, let's not forget either that. <laughs> yes. And think about this that. is the guy that slew Goliath. Yes. The Thanks. giant, the palace, the Palestinian. Yes. You know, so uh, I forget how many days it was that Goliath came down and challenged the, uh, I think it was the Israelites or Saul for 30 or 40 days. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they didn't know who was going to beat Goliath, you know. And they found David, you know, in, in the field tending these flocks who, you know, slew uh, Goliath with with the sling, which, you know, in those days, you know, it wasn't no strange feat for for somebody to be a pretty good shot with a sling because... They had to be. Yeah, you know, that's, that's what they did <laughs> yes. was sit around and protect their flock yes. and, and practice, you know, killing birds and, and you know, not what. But, uh, you know, they found David and... and uh, you know. Yeah. And that's a good description, too, because like you said, David protected the sheep, which is the weak. So that's a good example of exactly what I was leading this whole thing into. The the big <laughs> scenario is we are like the strong are, the strong are supposed to protect the weak. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I was leading into yeah. the whole time. But, you know, his reputation and his his grow to, to fame and and the way that he carried himself and the way that he conducted himself and the way that he marched in the battle, you know, um, you know, Saul, but but you know, he became you know kind of like a legend with the people. Yeah, he did. And right. uh, you know, being being the least of 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 eight, eight children, yes. being the baby, you know, and uh, you got to think. I mean, that's kind of a humbling position, too. Yeah, you know, you'd have to <laughs> definitely learn. How to uh, communicate and get along with everybody, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, Saul became jealous, and, and and when Saul became jealous and made plans to attack or maybe have David killed, that's when he fled to the to the cave. Yeah. You know. That's a big thing, actually. A lot of people don't know about the cave, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where he hid out. You yes. know, that's where he sought refuge. But uh, and what else did he turn it into? A training field. Yeah, like a training camp. Well, his brothers and his family and his loyal, devoted protectors came and they found him, and they were like, "Look, man, we ain't letting you go out like this. You know, we got your back. You know, we're here for for you." Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it became a training ground. Yeah. And he started training these men, you know, these mighty men of value, valor. And yeah. uh, and listen, this, this said the men who were attracted to David, they said they were men of diverse backgrounds. As you skim over this list, you will find a variety of obscure places from which these men's originated. Some such as Uriah the Hittite were foreigners. None of them seem to have anything noteworthy regarding their families or hometowns. They are a lot of hick towns mentioned. Someone has defined a hick town as a place where you can park as long as you want to, but don't want to. I don't know. That's just in this Bible thing. But there was one thing which united these men, and they were all attracted to David. He was their hero. And, 
and Riley employee. David, who was getting older by this time, grew weary in the battle and was almost killed. So that's when, you know I mean, other people took over. But yeah, that's another thing like, and it says in Chronicles, it says, and we talked about it today, they'll take people that's nobodies and make them into somebodies. That's what our God does. It makes, takes people that they, people think that are people, somebodies, and makes them into nobodies. You know what I mean? He did it to David. He did it to, and he does it every day. He yeah. definitely does it every single day. And it's crazy, and that's what it says. And these men were from diverse backgrounds. They never, you know what I mean? They just come from each and every place. They didn't have to be this good guy you know what i mean yeah you know what the interesting thing is is like this it's it's actually all prophesized in the bible yeah like jesus will come the messiah yes. from the uh the 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 descendant of david, david. you know yes. the seed of jesse yes and like all that was predicted yeah and like you know Even david down to the donkey you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> for real riding in you know yeah uh, you know, my king comes riding into town on a donkey. Yeah. You know, what a lowly yeah. position to. Yeah. To uh, that's real, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even not on a the, not even, on a chariot. Not on a. You know what I mean? Even even down to the donkey. You yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> that's real. Yeah. I feel like a donkey a lot of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they say I, I read this uh, verse. Actually, I didn't read this verse. I read this little story one time about the about that donkey and about how it had a, a cross on its back. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like how donkeys have crosses on its back, and supposedly that one did too. Yeah. It was made just, you know what I mean? Like God's plan. Well, we plan got Christmas just, coming up here soon. Yeah. God's I mean, plan for just that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's fascinating how it all just works out just like it's supposed to, you know what I mean? And, but... I don't know. I, I, the reason why I brought up the mighty men is because each and every person is sitting in there thinking that we got to be this certain person. We got to be this certain. And actually, humility is strength because, I mean, it takes a lot to be humble and to a certain point. But in a sense that it, it takes a lot to protect the humble. It does because everybody wants to be the cool guy. And I mean, was Jesus the cool guy? Was and, think like that? Was Jesus the cool guy? And no. you got to first be broken in order to grow. You do definitely. So imagine when he was exiled or had to run away with David. his tail yes. tucked. It's kind of like going to jail, jail. Or, or prison. Yes. Yeah, perfect. And he story. was sent to a cave. Yes, you know where he felt worthless. Yeah, he felt lost. Yeah, he didn't think there was any hope. You're right. But uh, you know, in, in the end, it was his. Uh, it was his morals and beliefs and who he was as a person and how he carried carried himself yeah. and c conducted his stature which which allowed those people to to seek out after him you know that's uh, real to have his back yeah and just think like yeah like you said that it's an integrity today that will have people following you today too i mean fear will have people following you like as a leader for just so long but you're right like integrity will have people wanting to be around you you know what i mean and david's integrity david's morals definitely got those guys he would just pass through town and those guys came from different towns so they didn't just send out like they wasn't drafted into an army you know what i mean they seen something in him they liked you know what i mean i found there to be usually two reasons people will follow you and that's because of fear and because of loyalty yes but they're opposite things so, yeah know. 
That's real. Fear or loyalty. Yeah, definitely opposite things. Yeah. But if you think of a seed, you know, a seed has to crack. Yeah. In order for it to grow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was locked up and uh, in prison or in the regional. And, uh, you know, I had to, uh, you know, sit in on my mat and read the Bible and yeah. and pray. And, like, it really gave me a time to spiritually grow because, you know, uh, I wasn't out here in the world. Yeah. You know, you got to be in the world and not of the world. Yeah. And it gave me a chance to separate from worldly things. Yeah. And, uh, but you got to separate yourself from from the BS, yeah. you know, that's yeah. going on around you. Because if you're not careful, you know, you'll become a product of your environment. Yeah. Real quick, and, like, uh, too. Yeah. Especially us that's used to it. We go, we move from prison to prison like a chameleon. Stay out of the way of the guards, sneak on by, manipulate. That's what we learn to do in there. Yeah. When that's exactly the opposite of what we got to learn to thrive out here. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's exactly the opposite of what we need to learn to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it takes, I mean, it takes some strength, you know, to uh, stand up. It does, man. You know, uh, on your own two feet and and stand up for what you believe in. Yeah, Um, You know, some people think spirituality is a way of of weakness, but it's it's a way of strength. It is. You know, it's actually a way of strength. Yeah. And think about that. Listen to this. Uh, I have this mentor. And she's she's the founder of Rock of Recovery, who um, does this beautiful show that tries to reach you all. And she actually has a heart for people she's never met, which is you all and me. She moved down here and just to help me, left a family behind. Is she's an awesome lady? But uh, she always she she wanted me to touch base on everlasting love. So so in all this, so like you were talking about the seeds and stuff like that, and about relation. Well, I want to just touched base on this relationship thing about everlasting love and how vast everlasting love is. Okay, so everlasting love, do you understand what everlasting love is? Because I didn't. Everlasting love to me would just be, okay, I'm loved until I'm dead and then there is no more me, so no more bodily me, so that's when it stops. Well, she explained it to where that's just the beginning. Everlasting love means everlasting love, everlasting life. That means God. He's the only thing everlasting is God. So she explained it to me like that, like, uh, and she wanted me to put it out there and plant a seed in your all's hearts about love and about just realize what your father has for you. Just realize that what he did for you, would you send your son? Now think about that. Sit down. Think about this for one second. Would you send your son to die for that guy beside you that you don't know? That guy beside you that you know is going to spit in your face? Would you do that? Yeah, I don't think so. Because I wouldn't. But your father did that. So, uh, and he has everlasting love for you. So no matter what you're doing right now and what you did to get where you are, he loves you. And when your mommy stops loving you, which hopefully that never happens. I'm just in an example with if your mommy would ever stop loving you, your, your father won't. If your daddy ever stopped loving you, your father won't. He's there. So I just want you all to take a second and just realize what that means, man. The, the vastness of it. I told her I would speak on it because it means so much man his love is the relationship is where it's at like he just said a second ago you have loyalty and you have fear and the old testament spoke of a a lord a god that we were afraid of because if you messed up he was sending wrath well jesus come and took all that away so now that we can have a relationship it don't have to be fear it don't have to be 
I got to look over my back. It has to. It, it has to be. Oh wow, the Father up in heaven sees me as Jesus and sees Jesus as me. So I got to trade my car in on a brand new car that has nothing wrong and that will never break down. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's pretty something pretty good thing to think about. And so I touched base on that. So what else you got, Tony? <laughs> well, I was just thinking here. You know, with Christmas time coming up. And uh, I know the holidays can be a a tough time for people. There is, yes. Uh, especially, you know, if if uh, you're on a journey and you're uh, drug and alcohol free, uh, which I strongly advise yeah. everyone to to be. You know, um, God makes that all possible, and uh, working on yourself. Um, but you know, uh, family isn't always blood. Amen. And Facts. blood isn't always family. That's real. You know, w- with the holidays coming up, and and you know, uh, kind of I'm like a an outcast black sheep. You know, I didn't really know what I was going to do. But I encourage you, man, to find your people, man. Find find your people. Find your family. And uh, got a text from a brother just last night, and he sent me a bunch of pictures of some steaks and <laughs> how he were going to season them. And, That's good and he's stuff. like, what are you doing on Christmas Day? And I was like, well, probably not much of anything. I don't know, you know. And he's like, well, you know, good. This is when we're going to cook up. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. You know, count me in. Yeah. You know, what, what do you need me to bring? Yeah. You know, That's good which stuff. is, you know. Um, the fellowship, man. And yeah, the, the fellowship. fellowship. And I said, all right. It's part and of I God. Said, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to get you a $10 gag gift, and you can get me a $10 gag gift, you yeah. know, and we'll. Start this. Yeah, so we'll just have a big dinner and exchange a little yeah. funny, funny gifts. And, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do for Christmas, but it was through a brotherly love yeah you know what you have in there love and we gotta have that set around get get you a couple brothers you work out with get you some soups get you brick read a bible verse just remember it's family could be in there what you you all sticking together that's family i mean i know you got people that you're looking beside that you think of family treat them right treat them good yeah you got family in there you do even when you're locked up you know yeah and, uh, you know, sometimes even more so in there yeah. than you do when you're out here. Because we're sober. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, That's real. But, uh, yeah, man, you got family everywhere you go. You do. You just got to be open to it. Yes. That's why I think it's so important, like, for people to get out of prison. I know everybody wants to hit the ground running, but if you can – the best thing for you to do is go into sober living. Go into some kind of program that baby steps you out. Because, man, I'm telling you, 41 years old, just finally got it together, finally. <laughs> and I wouldn't have got it together without a program. I'm telling you. So transitioning is easy. Yes. And uh, It's also, going from zero mile an hour a day to 5,000 mile an hour a day. Get the world yourself moves fast. ready, too, before you come out. Yes. You know, get it into your mind, the things that you have to do differently. Because nothing changes if nothing changes. Yes. You know. You want to get everything situated? Get spiritually fit first and everything will fall into place. Stop. You get spiritually fit first. Truly spiritually fit, though. Stop like, living in the problem. Start living in the solution. solution. Facts, yes. Problem will go away. I yes. promise. 
Life's good today. It is. I got 18 months sober. Yes. And I got, you know, I see my kid. I got money in my pocket. All my bills are paid. Yes. You know? Me too, man. God's good. God's good. I just got out a year and a half ago. I'm living the same thing. Great life. I got a a lady that has a daughter that don't have a dad. Well, guess what? She has a daddy. Because all that mess up I did in life, I I get to make up now. And you all do too. You all (laughs) definitely do. You get to come out and you get to start new. You get to do everything you thought you couldn't do, you can. All you got to do is stay sober, be spiritually fit. I'm going to let Tony lead us out in prayer, and uh, we'll meet you back here next week. I want to thank everybody. I was thinking we should have her come in here one day and put some makeup on you. Who? The little girl. No. My daughter? (laughs) No. No, no, no. No. (laughs) But anyway, I'm going to let Tony pray us out. I love you all, and we'll see you again next week. Dear Heavenly Father, um, first off, I'd like to pray that um, you be with all the men that are um, listening to us today and behind bars, separated from their loved ones and their families, and just let them know that there's people out here that are thinking of them and are out here ready to be receptive for their need and their want of change in their life and are ready to to help them go through that process to get out here and transition to be that person of God that God intended them to be, Lord, that help is out here for them if only they seek it. The Bible says diligently seek, yes. Lord. And and I, I, I hope and I pray that you just put it into these guys' hearts to want to change and be the people that I know that they can be, Lord. And... Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to pray a hedge of protection around everybody. I want to thank you for this day and that that, that just all things um, are possible through Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.